know, we never really got much flap from them. I mean, I don't think that we ever really gave them a choice. Um, (laughs) We just sort of said, this is what we're going to do. And we all made plans and sort of heading in that general direction. And really, I mean, yes, there's the, the friends and the phones and everything. But I mean, we didn't even let our kids have phones until they were in high school. So they didn't they weren't connected that way. And middle school kind of sucks. Welcome to the Crossing It Off podcast, where each episode we share the stories of individuals that are living out their bucket slash life goal list. I am your host, Roger Williams, and through hearing our guests' adventures, my goal is that you will find encouragement and empowerment to add and cross items off of your list. time I want to welcome Lisa Daly to the show. Lisa is a writer, traveler, creator, publisher, mom, all sorts of things. Lisa, thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me. No problem. Uh, Can you tell us what was the item you crossed off your bucket list? Um, The item we crossed off our bucket list was a year-long trip around the world with our teenage boys. Teenage boys. How old Mm -hmm. were they? They were 14 and 15 when we went traveling the world that that to me is just absolutely amazing um just even convincing them to do it I, i'll ask you a little bit what that was like what was the motivation for putting this in the very beginning <clears throat> why do you want to put this on your bucket list? Mm-hmm. where'd that come from yeah i i can actually remember where that idea even came from and um my husband and i were both travelers we loved going places but neither one of us had done very much extensive travel outside of the united states so when our kids were very young eight and ten we decided to take them on a two-week trip to new zealand and they were such fantastic travelers and we had such a good time that we thought let's really do this and my husband is part of the public health service and so we knew in 2015 he would be retiring after 20 years and that the kids would be at that sort of teenage age where they're in middle school and just entering high school. And so we thought, let's just take a year off and go with them and show them the world be- as a family and travel the world together as a family before they get too old. And so we set our sights five years in the future to do just that. And, and then we, it all came, it all came about just like as we planned. <laughs> Wow. First question I have is, how did you convince the boys to do this? That's, I mean, I had teenagers. I know what phones are like. I've worked with teenagers. I just, in the back of my head, I'm I'm sitting here thinking, how did you ever convince them to leave their friends for that longer period of time to to leave the comforts that they know so well? How how did those conversations go? What were their, their attitudes about? You know, we never really got much flap from them. I mean, I don't think that we ever really gave them a choice. Um, (laughs) We just sort of said, this is what we're going to do. And we all made plans and sort of heading in that general direction. And really, I mean, yes, there's the, the friends and the phones and everything. But I mean, we didn't even let our kids have phones until they were in high school. So they didn't, they weren't connected that way. And middle school kind of sucks. So I don't think that missing a year of middle school really sounded 
that terrible. Did you include them in the decision-making process on where you were going to go, what you were going to see? So a, li- a little bit. Yeah. So our, our way of travel was a little bit, is, is a, it's a little bit unique. So my husband works for the public health service and so is military. So we decided to fly space A. There's flights that go all over the world every day. Um, and if there's space available, you can hop on and go. So we didn't even have much say over our own planning. We knew a general direction we wanted to go. And we were sort of at the mercy of when flights were going that direction. And we ended up being able to get all the way to Singapore um, before we then had to come up with other means of travel um, because there's no other bases in Asia. And then by the time we got over to Europe, then we could hit another base to get home. Um, But the majority of that beginning part of the trip was sort of at just at the whim of the U S (laughs) military. That's a, that's a lot to hand over to somebody else. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Well, I mean, they, they have flights, they list their flights 72 hours in advance. So we could, we could kind of look at that and say, well, should we try to try to get on here, get on there? And we were, we, we actually started our trip at, at Travis air force base in California, knowing that they had a whole bunch of flights that go out of there every day. So from there, we went to Hawaii and then to Guam and then Okinawa and then up to mainland Japan and then down to Singapore. Was there one thing that you wanted the boys to get out of this trip? Was there something um, specific that was like, at the end of this, I hope that they, I think we live such a closed life. Like we don't know what's happening in the rest of the world and the rest of the world seems so scary. You know, when we talk about going places and exploring other countries, they're like, Oh, I just heard about this really bad thing that happened there. But I mean, the same could be true of the United States, honestly. I mean, there's more gun violence here than anywhere in the world. So I think that getting out there and getting to see the rest of the world and experiencing different cultures and different foods just gives you a, much wider worldview and a better perspective on your life moving forward. Were were there anything that you did to help prepare the boys for that? What was there? Did they do pre-work as far as like looking up countries or, or looking at foods or anything? I mean, was there any like mentally preparing themselves for, for that process? Um, I don't think we did much mental preparation. I think when we first started, we were a little bit concerned that spending 24 seven together every day Mm. as a family that we might tire of one another. So we sort of made some plans that, you know, I mean, especially we spent a lot of time in Asia, they don't really cater to families of four because they don't have a lot of families that have two kids. So most everywhere we went, we had to get to hotel rooms and, what we did is we would pair off and then we'd say, okay, you know, if, if you have trouble with your brother or whatever, then let us know and we'll switch off. And if you don't want to be around mom this day, then you can share room with dad. And if you don't want to be around dad, you can share room with mom. So we did that. And really that happened very rarely. The kids loved having their own hotel room and they got to grow up a little bit and have a sense of independence. Sure. So but mentally, no. Um, and being that we didn't really know where we were going to go, it was hard to really prepare for what they might experience. We just we just asked everybody to kind of go into it with an open mind, like an adventure. And they did. They did some very adventurous things that that surprised us. Like what? Tell me some of those things. So what we ate in a Cambodian restaurant that served tarantula. And so we ordered the tarantula. And then my son also ordered, he saw on the menu that there was red tree ant soup. And so he ordered that for lunch. And I thought, 
that was pretty, pretty <laughs> brave to order that. So yeah, they, they didn't have trouble eating and trying new things at all. I mean, it was, we really, I think we all went into it with a sense of adventure and they, they just went right along with it. That's awesome. Uh, how about you and your husband? You have, you have this aspect of the kids and their relationship and interaction with one another, but then there's also the two of you. Yeah. Being with your husband 24 seven. Yeah. yeah. Right. Um, we, we, I mean, we came up with that plan to sp- sort of split up not only for the boys, but for us too. Like if we like needed a break from each other, but what we found was actually that we got a lot closer because once the, all the trials and tribulations of everyday life fall away, you're just kind of left with each other. And I mean, really, we could have gone the other way. We could have realized that we really didn't like each other. But I think it really brought us back to where we realized we we were good together. We didn't have to worry about going to work and school homework with the boys and sports and paying bills and car payments and house payments. And we just we just all left all that home. And so we found that we really liked being together. We're good problem solvers together. Nice. That's, that's awesome. Is there something, is, were there any events or things that happened that like really highlighted that problem solving capability that you found? Well, the, the whole traveling space is, sure. is an adventure in itself. <laughs> and I mean, we ended up in some, some strange places, not knowing where to go. And it seemed like any time that I would kind of start to freak out and worry about what we were doing, he was the calm one and vice versa. So, you know, we complimented each other in that way. That's a, that's an awesome thing to find for one another. What do you think for your family at the end of the trip was the biggest benefit? What was the, what was the one, is there one takeaway that, that now being back home and, the boys growing up and and having probably going off to college or becoming adults. Mm-hmm. What what was the what was the one takeaway that you say this is what really uh, you impacted know, us? Yeah, I think I think we've created lifelong adventures for sure. Um, I think that they will continue to pursue travel well into you know their lives. Um, but I I mean just like I said, I think it really gave them a bigger worldview that there's more out there and more going on than we know. And then we see, and I think it gave them some empathy as well to know how others live because it's not all roses everywhere else in the world. They have it really good living here in the United States and the freedoms that they have and um, what they can do. So really being able to know that and see that in other countries and realize that they are very privileged to be who they are and where they are. I think that that has been, I think that they'll always carry that as well. I recently spent a month in Spain and came home and there was definitely a, a not a soft re-entry for me coming back to the United States mm-hmm. after being gone for, for a month. Being gone for a year, being a teenager, to me, that just, I, I could not imagine myself being in that position. Thankfully, it sounds like boys have good supportive parents and, and each other. What was their reentry like coming back after that experience? Reentry for all of us was very difficult. Um, we didn't end up being gone for a whole year. I mean, that was sort of a general like time frame where we said, let's just go and see how long we last. It ended up being seven months. So when we came back, the kids still were able to go back to school for the last couple of months. Um, but getting back to that was hard. I would pull up to school at 
to my son's junior high and he would just dissolve into tears and say, I can't do this today. And I'd say, okay, let's go home. We'll try again tomorrow because there's, there was no sense. One, one day wasn't going to change anything. Um, and my other son actually had to come in and start high school because he was gone his freshman year. So it was, you know, the last two months of school didn't go great. My husband came back and he had taken a leave and he had been the boss for 20 years and came back. And now he had to get rehired into his job and was no longer the boss anymore. I tried to go back to work and I lasted only about two months before I was like, this is not what I want to do with my life. I don't want to come here every day and work. And so I ended up quitting my job. So it, it was hard. You really kind of had to, we all had to sit back and think about our priorities and what we wanted and how we wanted to return to our lives. And it was tough. Did you do that together? Did you find help outside the, the four of you? What was, what was that process like? Um, it was a lot of just kind of family time. You know, I mean, the other thing about coming back after so long is we spent seven months where every day was an adventure. Mm-hmm. So coming home and getting up and having to go back to the routine, it's not, it was not very exciting. Right. Um, but, you know, I think, I think it really bonded us as a family and we were able to make it through, you know, relying on each other, just be like, well, you know, we know it's going to be it and we know it's going to be kind of a hurdle to get back here. And we're excited about this trip, but the rest of the world, they all, they all, carried on with their lives there no one's going to be as invested in all the things that we did like we are so let's all keep that and talk about that at home but just realize people are not going to be as excited as you are right yeah (laughs) i uh i came home from my month in spain and um showed a co-worker instagram reel that i made with all the selfies of the people that i met on my trip i'd worked with this person for probably three or four years and um she said, she, after watching it, she was like, I've never seen you so happy. And I'm like, that's really sad. <laughs> that's really sad that in four years, you've never seen me that happy. And um, so I, I get that, that the people, you know, they, they weren't there, they couldn't experience it. So it's not, it's mm-hmm. can't be super helpful <laughs> sometimes on that reaction. Yeah. So that makes sense. Let's talk about the trip. Was there, um, for you, what was the one thing that like, the, the one experience or the one place that like really stuck out to you is like, this was my, this was my favorite moment. This was, this was, this made it all worthwhile. Mm-hmm. There was actually a couple of places that I really, really loved. One was um, Myanmar. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was this little tiny place called Inley Lake. So it's somewhere between y- Yangon and, and Mandalay Bay, you know, sort of in the middle in the mountains. And it's just this quiet little village where everyone is happy and you walk through the streets and there's people sitting out on their front stoops, just kind of singing or playing the guitar. Everyone is smiling and happy. Now this was Myanmar five years ago. I'm sure it's not, it's not the state of Myanmar right now. And my heart breaks for what they're going through right now. But when we were there, it was a, it was a very different mentality. People were thrilled to talk to you and just wanted to, be around you and talk to you and know more about you. And every place that we went, we just, we just met up with amazing people. And there's a place where we went on the lake to um, a little village. And then we hiked up to these, this place called a thousand stupas. And there was these temples in gold and white and red. And it was a clip, just a bluebird day overlooking the lake. And it was just the most peaceful place. I think I've, 
I've ever been. I loved it there. If I, I could just go back and live there, really. <laughs> I loved it. So you talked a little bit in the beginning about how um, you were relying on the flights from the U.S. military to get from place to place. How else were you were you deciding where you were going? Were there tools that you were using? Was it the internet? Was it books? How did you all? Yeah. <laughs> um, so the military could only get us to Singapore. So once we were in Singapore, we were on our own in Asia. Um, so my husband had a couple of work commitments. He decided to do some volunteering as we traveled as well. So by the time we got to Singapore, it was, I think it was September or mid-September, early September. And so we knew that we had to be in Da Nang, Vietnam by October 1st. And so we had two weeks. So we just, we just looked at different ways we could do it. And, you know, you have to, we had our computers and you have to do a lot of research online because some of the countries require visas and some, you can only get them in a certain way. And so we had to look at that and we, so we'd contemplate how we could get to Da Nang by that date, by taking trains or buses up that way. And then we figured out um, we could take a a train from, from um, Singapore all the way up to Bangkok. And from Bangkok, we could fly up to the very northernmost city in Vietnam for $18 a person. And then we just would, and then we spent a couple of, of weeks training down to mid in the middle of Vietnam where Da Nang is. Um, because once you get over there, I mean, everyone thinks that travel is horrendously expensive. And yes, getting the flights over, especially to Southeast Asia, right. Right. are expensive. But once you get there, it is so economical. It's it's very affordable, even for a family of four. I mean, I talk about two hotel rooms and things like that, but the hotel rooms were like 10 to $18 a night. Right. So it wasn't like breaking the bank. And decent hotel rooms. We're not talking about. Well, <laughs> they, decent. they weren't like five-star hotels. <laughs> no, 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 but, but I mean, decent. they were, yeah, they were budget hotels, but you know, I mean, they, we had our own rooms, they had beds and showers and, you know, all the, all the things that you need. And traveling so um, so was that part of the education process for the boys were, were they involved in some of that were they helpful or was were they just sitting there doing their own thing and then you come no, back to sort of- they were helpful i mean you know we we definitely made a lot of family decisions that we go as we go along like okay let's go find a place to eat and you know one boy would say hey this looks good let's try this one and we're like okay let's go um, the hotels, not as much. I did right. use an app for hotels. I used like hotels.com or something because every 10 nights you'd get a free one. So, I mean, sure. I, we were getting a free one every 10 days because we had two rooms. So, you know, there was those kind of things that I did use, but there was a lot of internet research. And then we just found the best routes. And once we were done in Vietnam, we had some friends there and they had us come up and do a homestay up in the mountains. Um for a week. And that was sort of fascinating to kind of live with a family there and learn how they cook, which is not indoors and the bathroom is outside. And so there was a lot of, it was kind of a fun thing to get to live with a family like that. And then we just had to decide where we wanted to go next. And once we were done with the first half of the trip, we're like, okay, well now what? So we went to um, Thailand for a week and just kind of stayed at a place and said, okay, let's, Let's look at all the places we can go. Where do you want to go next? So, and uh, did the boys continue their American schooling while they were while you were gone, or did they, or did you all just bag it and say, "We're going to do that"? Or I tried really hard. 
I put in a big effort in trying to get their schoolwork so that they could do schoolwork while we were away. Um, I visited with the principal of the middle school and said, you know, if you can give me like a curriculum for eighth grade, and then I'd go to the high school and do the same thing. And the principal said, you know, you really can't recreate the middle school experience. And I was like, <laughs> Why would you really? <laughs> I'm not really right. trying to recreate the experience here. What I'm really trying to do is just keep them, keep them educated as we go. But I mean, with homeschooling, you don't have to follow any kind of plan. So after I realized he wasn't going to give me anything, he said, well, you should do online school. And so I looked at online school. Well, that was, they would have been required to sit in front of a computer right. for five hours a day at a specific time, which for them on the other side of the planet would have been in the middle of the night. So right. we just said, no, we'll take a couple of, we'll look at eighth and ninth grade um, English texts that they typically read. Mm -hmm. And we'll take a couple of books and get a couple along the way, but they're going to get geography lessons. We went to <laughs> art museums. We went to all kinds of places where we could learn more about the country we walked a lot. So they got their PE they got their world history. They got geography. They got all kinds of, um, you know, information about what's happened in the world. You know, in Vietnam, we went to quite a few um, Vietnam War memorials. So they learned about the history of that. In Cambodia, we went to the killing fields and we, um, wow. we saw, you know, like a room full of skulls and learned about the Khmer Rouge. Right. Um, we went to Angkor Wat and learned about the history of Cambodia and the temples that were built there. So, you know, I think that they they got a pretty good education. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I would guarantee that that's the case. Yeah. Um, I think that was a smart decision to bag the Western stuff and just let them experience what yeah. they were experiencing as an education. I think that's awesome. Uh, very, very cool for them. It probably spoiled <laughs> their education for the rest of their lives, but, it, but I'm sure it was worth it for yeah. sure. I think coming back and having to turn things in and get graded, they were like, what? <laughs> but <laughs> they survived. Yeah, that's awesome. If you did it again, is there is there anything you would do differently or, or uh, yeah, is there anything hmm. you would do differently than, than what you did if you did it again? You know, I, I think just personally, I was pretty anxious about the whole thing and worried about it. And I think that I would definitely just try and chill out a little bit more and not be so worried about everything because I did tend to get myself worked up when I had to be someplace at a particular time or I couldn't figure something out. So, but uh, no, I mean, I would do it again in a heartbeat. We, I mean, even after we came back, we continued to travel with the kids. So We'd take a two-week vacation somewhere in the summer to take them to new places. So, how much of that anxiety or or worry came from outside influences, family, friends? Um, a bit of it, you know. I mean, just like I said, you know, the news reports here, you see things that happen, and you think, "Oh my gosh, that's such a dangerous country to go visit." And I, my family was very scared. They were scared for us. They're like, what? You're going to take your kids out of school and take them traipsing around Asia and Africa and India. What, what is wrong with you? What are you thinking? And I had one cousin who's like, well, you have to, you have to start a blog. So I know where you're at all the time. <laughs> <laughs> so. And what was the, when you came back and shared and the, and the boys came back and shared with those people, what was the, what, 
did those perceptions change or or were they I think they all still think we're a little crazy. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> because the the summer after that, after we got back, we took them to Nicaragua for two weeks too. And people were like, what? Why? Why? <laughs> Sounds like fun. I don't know. There's volcano boarding. We want to go volcano boarding. <laughs> <laughs> that's a that's a pretty awesome thing to have done uh, in itself, as far as crossing off a list. Th this is a. I think we could talk about this for hours. I could talk to you about this for hours, being a parent myself. Um, I, I think it's tremendous what you did. And I am absolutely enthralled. How is there any way I can find more information about this? Is there, when you came home, you said your cousin wanted to do a blog. What happened with that? Yeah. Well, um, I, a lot of people actually said, well, you should write a book. And I thought, uh, okay, I'll just grab all my blog posts and write a book. Well, it's not exactly how writing a book works, which <laughs> I found out. Um, but I did put it all together into a memoir about travel, but I, right before we had left on the trip in the preceding five years, I lost um, seven family members in over the course of five years, including my mom and dad and a 23 year old brother. And um, so I was really pretty grief stricken when we went. And I think that also contributed to the, the anxiety a bit, you know, the fear of losing any one of us on the trip also. Sure. Um, so the, the, I did write the book and so it does cover the travel, but it also covers sort of my journey through grief and how the world kind of helped heal some of that for me. Um, but I write, I still travel quite a bit and I travel with groups of writers. I take them on different places around the world. And so we write about the, we learn lessons about writing about place and about people um, and about using all the senses because your senses are so shocked in new places. It's so different that you want to really, you want to really grab hold of every sense, the different sounds and the different smells and the different colors and sights. Um, so we, I have a blog, Northwest Rambles is my travel blog. Um, and then lisa-daily.com is where I write it's where all my writing happens and where my book is. So what's the title of your book? My book is called square up 50,000 miles in search of a way home. Nice. And the square up really has to do with um, the stupas. There was, there was a few different ways that it ties in there, but it has to do with the stupas and, and the four sides of the stupa and what all those represent. Before we go, uh, what's, uh, what's, one thing that's still remaining on your bucket list that is completely different than traveling the world with your children. Well, my children are not your children anymore. So, <laughs> um, you know, I, for a long time, my husband and I have dreamed about living in a foreign country, but having sort of a, a place where we go with all of our friends. And mm -hmm. I would really, really love to see that happen. Like having some kind of land where we all have little separate units, almost like apartments and, maybe a central complex where we all gather for meals or entertainment. We're actually leaving next week to go check out a couple of places where we think maybe that could happen. So we'll see. Will, will you share where, where that is? <laughs> yes. Yeah, so we're actually traveling to Mexico um, okay. next Wednesday. So we're going to visit um, Puerto Vallarta is where we fly into because it's cheap. Mm -hmm. And then we're going to go up and explore Guadalajara and then fly down to Oaxaca as well. Yeah. So the, 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 the next question was going to be what's next on your bucket list? What are you going to cross off? Is that the thing that you want to cross off next? Or is there something else you're going to cross off before that happens? 
No, I actually, so I, I did write a book about the travels and I mean, I'd always wanted to write a book for the longest time in my life. And I had a story and that's not the book I ended up writing. I ended up writing the memoir, but I am now working on the work of fiction that has been kind of in my mind for the last 25 years. And that's really what I want to accomplish. Nice. That's, that's next for me. Okay. When you, well, when you get that done, let us know and we'll have you back and we'll talk about that too. That sounds great. Lisa, thank you so much. I really appreciate you taking the time to share your story. And uh, I will put uh, all your information in the show notes so that people can, can search you out. And uh, I will be looking forward to reading Squared Up. So, okay. Uh, thank, thank you, so, thank you much. so much. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. As a reminder to our listeners, in this episode's show notes, you will find links to learn more about this week's guests and information on how you can cross this item off of your list. You can follow my adventures of crossing items off my bucket list on Instagram and Facebook. And as always, new episodes of this podcast are available to stream every Friday morning. We will meet you here next week. And until then, keep living out your list. Your list.